Myron wanted to be the best president ever, but it was such an easy job, he thought, that anybody could do it. Hello, all you noble, noteworthy people of numerous nationalities. This is HPL Radio. My name is Mr. Chance. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the head of youth services at Haverhill Public Library. Welcome to episode 2.2 of HPL Radio, the show where we take off our face masks and read at a safe distance. Today, we will continue reading Lewis Sacker's Sideways Stories from Wayside School, a preview of which you heard at the top of the show. Sideways Stories from Wayside School, it's what's known as a short story cycle. What this means is all the stories stand alone, like the cheese, but read together, they are small parts of a larger whole. So if this is your first episode, please keep listening, but we hope you'll go back and listen to the first episode and continue listening to all episodes. If you wrote a story about a classmate after listening to last week's episode, please share it with me. Email it to cjoiner at haverlpl.org. That's C-J-O-Y-N-E-R at haverlpl.org. One thing that links us all together is this library. So let's get started with today's reading. We are picking up with Chapter 7, Calvin. Calvin had a big round face. Mrs. Jewell said, Calvin, I want you to take this note to Mrs. Zarvis for me. Calvin asked, Miss Zarvis? Mrs. Jewell said, yes, Miss Zarvis. You know where she is, don't you? Calvin said, yes, she's on the 19th story. Mrs. Jewell said, that's right, Calvin, take it to her. Calvin didn't move. Mrs. Jules asked, well, what are you waiting for? Calvin said, she's on the 19th story. Mrs. Jules said, yes, we've already established that fact. Calvin repeated, the 19th story. Mrs. Jules said, yes, Calvin, the 19th story. Now take it to her before I lose my patience. Calvin said, but Miss Jules. Miss Jules said, now Calvin, unless you'd rather go home on the kindergarten bus. Calvin said, yes, ma'am. Slowly, he walked out the door. Terrence laughed. <laughs> Take it to the 19th story. Myron hooted, give it to Miss Sarvez. Jason called, have fun on the 19th story. Calvin stood outside the door to the classroom. He didn't know where to go. As you know, when the builder built Wayside School, he accidentally built it sideways. But he also forgot to build the 19th story. He built the 18th and the 20th, but no 19th. He said he was very sorry. There was also no Miss Zarvis. Miss Zarvis taught the class on the 19th story. Since there was no 19th story, there was no Miss Zarvis. And besides that, as if Calvin didn't have enough problems, there was no note. Miss Jules had never given Calvin a note. Calvin thought, boy, this is just great. Just great. I'm supposed to take a note that I don't have to a teacher who doesn't exist and who teaches on a story that was never built. He didn't know what to do. He walked down to the 18th story, then back up to the 20th, then back down to the 18th, and back up again to the 20th. There was no 19th story. There never was a 19th story. And there never will be a 19th story. Calvin walked down to the administration office. He decided to put the note in Miss Sarvis' mailbox. 
but there wasn't one of those either. That didn't bother Calvin too much, however, since he didn't have a note. He looked out the window and saw Lewis, the yard teacher, shooting baskets. Calvin thought, Lewis will know what to do. Calvin went outside. Calvin called, hey, Lewis. Lewis said, hi, Calvin. He tossed him the basketball. Calvin dribbled up and took a shot. He missed. Lewis tipped it in. Lewis asked, do you want to play a game? Calvin said, I don't have time. I have to deliver a note to Miss Zarvis up on the 19th story. Lewis asked, what are you doing all the way down here? Calvin said, there is no 19th story. Lewis asked, then where is Miss Zarvis? Calvin said, there is no Miss Zarvis. Lewis asked, what are you going to do with the note? Calvin said, there is no note. Lewis said, I understand. Calvin said, that's good because I sure don't. Lewis said, it's very simple. You are not supposed to take no notes to no teachers. You already haven't done it. Calvin still didn't understand. He said, I'll just have to tell Miss Jules that I couldn't deliver the note. Lewis said, that's good. The truth is always best. Besides, I don't think I understand what I said either. Calvin walked back up the 30 flights of stairs to Miss Jules' class. Miss Jules said, thank you very much, Calvin. Calvin said, but I, Miss Jules interrupted him. That was a very important note, and I'm glad I was able to count on you. Calvin said, yes, but you see, Jason asked, you delivered the note to Miss Zarvis on the 19th story. How did you do it? Miss Jules said, what do you mean? How did he do it? He gave Miss Zarvis the note. Some people, Jason, are responsible. Calvin said, but you see, Mrs. Jules, Mrs. Jules said, the note was very important. I told Miss Zarvis not to meet me for lunch. Calvin said, don't worry, she won't. Mrs. Jules said, good. I have a coffee can full of Tootsie Roll Pops on my desk. You may help yourself to one for being such a good messenger. Calvin said, thanks, but really, it was nothing. Chapter 8, Myron. Myron had big ears. He was elected class president. The children in Mrs. Jules' class expected him to be a good president. Other presidents were good speakers. Myron was even better. He was a good listener. But he had a problem. He didn't know what a class president was supposed to do. So he asked, what am I supposed to do? Mrs. Jules said, it's a difficult job, but you can do it. You must turn the lights on every morning and turn them off at the end of the day. Myron asked, what? Mrs. Jules said, as a class president, you must learn to listen. I'll repeat myself only one more time. You must turn the lights on every morning. I heard you the first time, said Myron. It just doesn't sound like much of a job. Mrs. Jules said, it certainly is. Without light, I can't teach and the children can't learn. Only if you, only you can give us that light. I think it is a very important job. Myron said, I guess so. He wasn't convinced. Mrs. Jules said, here, let me show you how to work a light switch. Myron said, I already know how. I've been turning lights on and off my whole life. Mrs. Jules said, very good. You'll make a fine president. Myron wanted to be the best president ever, but it was such an easy job, he thought, that anybody could do it. When school let out that day, Myron stayed behind. He turned out the lights by flicking the switch down. Mrs. Jules said, excellent. On his way home, Myron heard a terrible noise. First, there was a loud screeching, then a sharp squeal, a roaring engine, and then the very faint sound of a girl crying. Myron ran over to see what happened. Dana was bent over in the middle of the road. Myron asked, what's the matter? 
Dana cried, my dog Pugsy was hit by a car. Myron asked, who did it? Dana sobbed, I don't know, they sped away. Myron said, well, that's not important. We've got to try to save Pugsy. Pugsy lay unconscious in the street. Myron carefully picked her up. He carried her two miles to the vet. Dana cried at his side. Myron said, don't worry, Dana, she'll be all right. But he wasn't really so sure. He gave Pugsy to the vet, walked Dana home, and then walked home himself. Dana was so upset she forgot to thank him. Myron didn't mind. He thought that was what being class president was all about. The next morning, before he went to school, Myron went to Dana's house. Pugsy was there. She seemed all right. Dana petted her. Pugsy licked her face. Dana said, see, Myron, she's all right. The vet said you brought her just in time. Myron said, hi, Pugsy. He petted her. Pugsy bit his hand. Dana said, I guess she doesn't know you. She was unconscious yesterday when you saved her life. Dana's mother put some medicine and a Band-Aid on Byron's hand. Then she drove the children to school. They were late. They ran up the stairs to Mrs. Jewell's class. The room was completely dark. Mrs. Jewell said, It's about time you got here, Myron. We have no lights. Myron asked, Why didn't somebody else just turn them on? Mrs. Jewell said, Because you're class president. Show Stephen how to work the lights. From now on, he will be class president. Myron showed Stephen how to turn on the lights. He flicked the switch up. At the end of the day, Myron showed Stephen how to turn the lights off. He flicked the switch down. After a week, Stephen finally caught on. He made a good president. The lights were on every morning. Myron, who was president for only a day, was the best president in the history of Wayside School. It was just that nobody knew it. Mauricia liked ice cream. She was sweet and pretty and could beat up any boy in Mrs. Jewell's class. Everybody liked Mauricia, except Kathy, but then she didn't like anybody. Mauricia only liked ice cream. Every day, Mauricia brought an ice cream cone to school and kept it in her desk until lunchtime. At first, she brought chocolate ice cream every day, but she's soon tired of chocolate ice cream. So she started bringing vanilla, but she got tired of vanilla too. Then she got tired of strawberry, fudge ripple, butter pecan, pistachio, and burgundy cherry in that order. And then a terrible thing happened. Mauricia got tired of ice cream. By that time, her desk was a mess and everything in it was sticky. Everybody liked Mauricia, but Mauricia didn't like anything. Mrs. Jules hated to see Mauricia unhappy. I don't understand it, Miss Jules. There just aren't any good flavors anymore. So Mrs. Jules worked all night. The next day, she brought in a new flavor of ice cream for Mauricia. It was Mauricia flavored ice cream. Mrs. Jules thought everybody will like it because everybody likes Mauricia. Mrs. Jules said, here you are, Mauricia. Mauricia flavored ice cream. Everybody gathered around as Mauricia tasted it. They hoped she'd like it. Mauricia took a lick. Mrs. Jules said, well. Mauricia took another lick. The class asked, well? Mauricia said, this ice cream has no taste. It doesn't taste bad, but it doesn't taste good. It doesn't taste like anything at all. Mrs. Jules was heartbroken. Todd said, here, let me try it. He tasted it. He said, you're crazy, Mauricia. This is the best tasting ice cream I've ever eaten. Try some, Dee Dee. Um, it's delicious, said Dee Dee. It's so sweet and creamy. She passed it around the room. Oh, it's so good, said Leslie. Kathy said, I think it tastes terrible. 
Mauricia said, I don't understand it. I don't taste a thing. Mrs. Jules slapped herself in the face. Oh, I've made a big mistake, Mauricia. Of course you can't taste anything. It's Mauricia-flavored ice cream. It's the same taste you always taste when you're not tasting anything at all. So the next day, Mrs. Jules brought in Joe-flavored ice cream. Mauricia liked it. So did everybody else. Joe thought it had no taste. Everybody liked Mauricia. Mauricia only liked Joe. The following day, Mrs. Jules brought in Ron-flavored ice cream. Ron thought it had no taste, but everybody else loved it. Everybody liked Mauricia. Mauricia only liked Joe and Ron. By the end of the month, Mrs. Jules had brought in 27 new flavors of ice cream, one for each member of the class. Everybody liked Mauricia, and Mauricia liked everybody. They all tasted so good. All except Kathy, that is. Kathy-flavored ice cream tasted a little bit like old bologna. Everybody still agreed that Mauricia-flavored ice cream was the best, except Mauricia. She liked Todd ice cream the best. This turned out to be a problem. Every once in a while, Mauricia would try to take a bite out of Todd's arm in order to get that very special flavor. Chapter 10. Paul. Paul had the best seat in Mrs. Jewell's class. He sat in the back of the room. It was the seat that was the farthest away from Mrs. Jules. Mrs. Jules was teaching the class about fractions. She drew a picture of a pie on the blackboard. She cut the pie into eight pieces. She explained that each piece was one-eighth of the pie. Paul never paid attention. He didn't see the picture of the pie. He didn't see anything. Well, he did see one thing. Actually, he saw two things. He saw Leslie's two pigtails. Leslie sat in front of Paul. She had two long brown pigtails that reached all the way down to her waist. Paul saw those pigtails and a terrible urge came over him. He wanted to pull a pigtail. He wanted to wrap his fist around it, feel the hair between his fingers, and just yank. He thought it would also be fun to tie the pigtails together, or better yet, tie them to her chair. But most of all, he just wanted to pull one. Slowly, he reached for the one on the right. He thought, no, what am I doing? I'll only get into trouble. Paul had it made. He sat in the back of the room. He paid no attention to anyone, and nobody paid any attention to him. But if he pulled a pigtail, it would all be over. Leslie would tell on him, and he'd become the center of attention. He sighed and slowly withdrew his arm. But Paul couldn't ignore those pigtails. There they were, dangling right in front of him, just begging to be pulled. He could close his eyes, but he couldn't make the pigtails disappear. He could still smell them and hear them. He could almost taste them. He thought, maybe just a little tug. No, none. There they hung, easily within his reach. Paul thought, well, let them just hang there. It would be foolish to pull one, no matter how tempting they were. None of the other children in the class pulled pigtails. Why should he? Of course, none of the other children sat behind Leslie either. It was just a simple matter of being able to think clearly. That was all. Paul thought it over and decided not to pull one. It was as simple as that. Suddenly, his arm shot forward. He grabbed Leslie's right pigtail and yanked. Yeah! Screamed Leslie. Everybody looked at her. She said, Paul, pull my pigtail. They all looked at Paul. Paul said, I, I couldn't help it. Mrs. Jules said, you better learn to help it. She wrote Paul's name under the blackboard under the word discipline. She said, tell Leslie you're sorry. Paul said, I'm sorry, Leslie. Leslie said, Mph. Paul felt horrible. Never again would he pull another pigtail, except there was one problem. He still wasn't satisfied. He had pulled the right one, but that wasn't enough. 
He wanted to pull the left one too. It was as if he heard a little voice coming from the pigtail saying, Pull me, Paul! Pull me! Paul answered, I can't. My name's already on the blackboard under the word discipline. The pigtail said, Big deal. Pull me. Paul said, No way. Never again. The pigtail urged, Oh, come on, Paul. Just a little tug. What harm could it do? Paul said, Lots of harm. Leslie will scream and I'll get in trouble again. Whined the pigtail. Boy, that's not fair. You pulled the right one. Now it's my turn. Paul said, I know, but I can't. The pigtail said, sure you can. Just grab me and yank. Paul said, no, it is not right. The pigtail said, sure it is, Paul. Pigtails are meant to be pulled. That's what we're here for. Paul said, tell that to Leslie. The pigtail said, Leslie won't mind. I promise. Paul said, I bet. Just like she didn't mind the last time. The pigtail said, you just didn't pull hard enough. Leslie likes us pulled real hard. Paul asked, really? The pigtail said, cross my heart. The harder, the better. Paul said, okay. But if you're lying, the pigtail said, I promise. Paul grabbed the left pigtail. It felt good in his hand. He pulled as hard as he could. Yeah! Screamed Leslie. Mrs. Jules asked Paul, did you pull Leslie's pigtail again? Paul said, no, I pulled the other one. All the children laughed. Mrs. Jules asked, are you trying to be funny? Paul said, no, I was trying to be fair. I couldn't pull one and not the other. The children laughed again. Paul concluded, pigtails are meant to be pulled. Mrs. Jules put a check next to Paul's name on the blackboard under the word discipline. But at last, Paul was satisfied. True, his name was on the blackboard with a check next to it, but that really didn't matter. All he had to do was stay out of trouble the rest of the day, and his name would be erased. It's easy to stay out of trouble when you have the best seat in class. In fact, Paul could do this every day. He could pull Leslie's pigtails twice and then stay out of trouble the rest of the day. There was nothing Leslie could do about it. Suddenly, out of nowhere, Leslie screamed, Yeah! Mrs. Jules circled Paul's name and sent him home early on the kindergarten bus. Nobody would believe that he hadn't pulled Leslie's pigtail again. Chapter 11, Dana. Dana had four beautiful eyes. She wore glasses, but her eyes were so beautiful that the glasses only made her prettier. With two eyes, she was pretty. With four eyes, she was beautiful. With six eyes, she would have been even more beautiful. And if she had a hundred eyes all over her face and her arms and her feet, why she would have been the most beautiful creature in the world. But poor Dana wasn't covered from head to foot with beautiful eyes. She was covered with mosquito bites. Mrs. Jules picked up her yardstick and said, Now it's time for arithmetic. Dana said, Oh no, Miss Jules, I can't do arithmetic. I itch all over. I can't concentrate. Mrs. Jules said, But we have all kinds of arithmetic. Addition without carrying, addition with carrying, and carrying without addition. Dana cried, I don't care. Mrs. Jules said, We have that too. Addition without caring. Now, stop carrying on. Dana whined, I just can't, Miss Jules. I itch too much. DJ said, And I'm thirsty. Ron said, I'm too tired. Terrence said, I'm too hungry. Todd said, I'm too stupid. Mrs. Jules hit her desk with a yardstick. 
Everyone stopped talking. Mrs. Jewell said, We are going to have arithmetic now, and I don't want to hear another thing about it. Dana whined. But Miss Jules, I really do itch. I can't do arithmetic. Mrs. Jules said, No, arithmetic is the best known cure for an itch. How many mosquito bites do you have? Dana said, I don't know, over a hundred. First I try scratching one, but then another one starts to itch, so I scratch that one, and that one stops, and another one starts. So I scratch that one, and the itch moves down to another one, then it goes back to the first one. The itch just never stays in the same place. I just can't scratch them all. Mrs. Jewell said, what you need is a good, strong dose of arithmetic. Dana said, I'd rather have calamine lotion. Mrs. Jewell said, remember Dana, mosquito bites itch, not numbers. Dana said, so what? Mrs. Jules continued, we'll just have to turn your mosquito bites into numbers. Dana moaned, I'm a mess. Mrs. Jules began to turn the mosquito bites into numbers. She asked, how much is three mosquito bites plus three mosquito bites? Rondi raised her hand, six mosquito bites, she answered. Mrs. Jules asked, how much is six mosquito bites minus two mosquito bites? DJ said, four mosquito bites? Mrs. Jules asked, how much is five mosquito bites times two? BB said, 10 mosquito bites. Mrs. Jules said, very good. Dana complained, I still itch. Mrs. Jules said, I've got one more question. How much is 49 mosquito bites plus 75 mosquito bites? Nobody raised a hand. Mrs. Jules said, think class, this is for Dana. Nobody knew the answer, Dana's itch began to get worse and worse. At last, Dana began counting her own mosquito bites. She counted 75 on one side and 49 on the other. Then she had them together for a total of 124 mosquito bites. Dana called, 124 mosquito bites. Mrs. Jules said, very good. Dana had 124 mosquito bites and none of them itched anymore. DJ said, I'm still thirsty. Can arithmetic do anything for that? Ron said, I'm still tired. Terrence said, I'm still hungry. Todd said, I'm still stupid. Dana said, I'm glad we turned my mosquito bites into numbers instead of letters. I could never spell mosquito. Chapter 12, Jason. Jason had a small face and a big mouth. He had the second biggest mouth in Mrs. Jewell's class, and there were an awful lot of big mouths in that class. Jason called without raising his hand. Miss Jules, Joy is chewing gum in class. Joy had the biggest mouth in Mrs. Jules' class, and it was filled with gum. There was hardly even room for her tongue. Mrs. Jules said, Joy, I'm ashamed of you. I'm afraid I'll have to put your name up on the board. Jason called. That's okay, Miss Jules. I'll do it. Jason hopped out of his seat and wrote Joy's name on the blackboard under the word discipline. While he was up, Joy took out the glob of gum out of her mouth and placed it on Jason's chair. Rondi and Allison giggled. Jason walked back from his blackboard to his desk and sat down. He called, Mrs. Jules, I'm stuck. Rondi and Allison giggled again. Mrs. Jules got angry. Joy, you're going home on the kindergarten bus today. Todd said, oh good, I'll have some company. Todd went home on the kindergarten bus every day. He could never seem to make it to 12 o'clock without getting into trouble three times. His name wasn't even up on the blackboard yet, but he knew that by 12 o'clock it would be up, checked, and circled. Jason said, Mrs. Jules, what am I going to do? I'm stuck. I'm going to have to stay here the rest of my life. Mrs. Jules said, Joy, tell Jason you're sorry. 
Joy said, I'm sorry, Jason. Jason said, oh, that's okay, Joy. I don't mind. Mrs. Jules said, try to get up, Jason. Jason tried. I can't, Miss Jules. I'm stuck. Mrs. Jules asked the three Eric's to help. Eric Fry and Eric Ovens pulled Jason. Eric Bacon held the chair. Jason cried, stop. You'll rip my pants. Rondi and Allison giggled. Mrs. Jules said, all right, let's try ice water. That should freeze the gum and make it less sticky. I'll go get some from Miss Mush. Miss Mush was the lunch teacher at Wayside School. She had the remarkable ability to undercook a dish and overcook it at the same time. Her specialty was a nice hot bowl of mud. She called it porridge. Jason looked at Rondi and Allison. He said, no, Miss Jules, don't leave me. Besides, Mrs. Mush's ice water is probably warm. Mrs. Jules said, don't be silly, Jason. I'm sure it will be at least as cold as her soups. Rondi and Allison leered at Jason. He begged, no, Mrs. Jules, don't go. Mrs. Jules said, I'll be right back, Jason. She went to Miss Mush for some ice water. As soon as Mrs. Jules stepped outside the door, Rondi and Allison jumped up from their seats and started to tickle Jason. They laughed until his hair turned purple. The girls got back to their seats just as Mrs. Jules returned. Mrs. Jules carried a big bucket of ice water. Jason pleaded, oh no, please don't, no. Mrs. Jules said, we have no choice. She threw the water all over him. Mrs. Jules said, well, try to get up. Jason was drenched. I'm wet and I'm cold and I'm still stuck, he said. Mrs. Jules said, oh, well, it didn't work. At least we tried. Now I guess we'll have to cut your pants off. Rondi and Allison giggled. Jason screamed, no, Mrs. Jules, no. I don't mind being stuck here. I'm really very comfortable. Mrs. Jules said, don't be silly, Jason. Jason said, don't cut off my pants. Mrs. Jules said, the three Eric's can carry you to the bathroom. I'll ask Lewis to call your mother. She can bring you a new pair of pants. The three Eric's took hold of Jason's chair and turned him upside down. Mrs. Jules said, Jason said, no, Mrs. Jules. Now I'll always have a place to sit down. I won't have to worry about finding a seat on the bus. The three Eric's began to take him away. Joy said, wait, Mrs. Jules, if I can get Jason unstuck, do I still have to go home on the kindergarten bus? Mrs. Jules said, all right. If you can somehow get Jason free, you don't have to go home early. Jason said, don't trust her, Mrs. Jules. He was still hanging upside down. Joy said, I'll just kiss him. Jason screamed, no, don't let her kiss me, Mrs. Jules. Throw water on me, tickle me, cut off my pants, hang me upside down from the ceiling, but don't let her kiss me. Joy said, I'll just kiss him on the nose. Mrs. Jules said, we've got nothing to lose, Jason. Allison said, oh, who would want to kiss Jason? Jason hung helplessly upside down. Joy stepped up and kissed him on the nose. Jason fell out of the chair and hit his head on the floor. Rondi and Allison giggled. Todd said, darn, now I have to go home alone again. Joy erased her name from the blackboard. Well, that does it for today's episode of HPL Radio. Can you spell mosquito? What's the hardest word that you can spell? We'll see if there's more spelling quizzes as we continue reading sideways stories from Wayside School. Next time, we'll read about Sammy, the new kid who is completely covered by a raincoat, Dee Dee, who eats cream cheese and jelly sandwiches, and John, who can only read words written upside down. Me, I'm glad this book is written right side up. It makes it a lot easier to read to you on today's episode and all episodes 
of HPL Radio. Our next episode will be Wednesday, May 27th, so please tune in. Again, my name is Mr. Chance signing off. Wherever you are, be well, stay indoors, wash your hands, and support your local library. Thank you.